Hello, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino, and as we always do the day following the game, I get to rewatch it a second time, dig into snap counts, pull out some nuggets from around the internet, some expanded thoughts. Hope you enjoyed the instant reaction I did late last night. I got a lot of good responses from you guys on that. And I'm not always 100% right on those. You know, I go back and look at things a second time, but I like to get them to you quick. Folks, it's all going down at the FanDuel Sportsbook and Lounge at Live Casino, where you can get in on all the action this football season. Bet on your teams with a sportsbook rep or at our self-service kiosks, and then jump into the stadium on our giant 40-foot video wall. How's that for a touchdown? Join your friends at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Bet, watch, and win. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So uh, let's just dig right in. Here, we're going to the first half. We're going to do some notes and nuggets to talk about. And the second half, we're going to talk about who played how many snaps and some more thumbs up, thumbs down guys. Uh, this is the only note that doesn't really relate to the game, but just a nugget. Short week versus a very physical running team on the road coming up here in Atlanta. And first of all, I'm sure there'll be a ton of Steeler fans there. But the travel of all that is difficult on people. Like, for just just put yourself in the Steelers coaching staff or Coach Tomlin's shoes. You know, you finish that game like at midnight, probably get on the plane at two after showering and interviews. So that gets you back to the Steeler facility at four or five in the morning. Tomlin has a press conference today, Tuesday at whatever it was today, you know, like probably didn't sleep one wink last night and you already have to get ready for next week. I mean, obviously the players go home, they sleep and they don't have to do much the next day. But then before you know it, it's Wednesday, it's practice time. So it, it happens every year or every week. I mean, the road team after a Monday night is a very taxing situation on your body, your sleep, all those things. And then you got to go back on the road, you know, late in the week and fly again. So those things matter. And the Falcons will run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They are not a very athletic, they're not a talented team at all, especially with Pitts out. But they are a physical team that can take a toll on you. So that's a challenge. All right. Um, Kenny Pickett. That was his first fourth quarter comeback, as you can imagine. But I think the first of many. Um, I get my snap counts from Pro Football Focus, and, and they do things a little differently than others, and I really don't even need to bother explaining this, but if there's a penalty and the play comes back and they rerun the down, Pro Football Focus counts that. That's why I use them. So I go there as soon as their snap counts are available, and I noticed, and I don't really look into their grades, to be honest. I respect them because somebody does the work and breaks down every play, but I don't treat them as gospel as others. But I couldn't help but notice Pickett was the Steelers' highest-graded offensive player with an 88.5, with 100 being like, I'm almost positive, 100's like almost unattainable. I mean, being in the 80s is tremendous, and he was at 88.5. Now, did he play like Mahomes or Allen that is an 88 type of quarterback? No, I'm not sure exactly how he earned that grade, to be very honest, but I did think it's noteworthy. I do know one thing that they are big on with their grades are – the, co- the combination of big-time throws versus turnover-worthy plays. So they take TD to interception ratio to the next level. Like, if it was a turnover-worthy play and it doesn't get picked, well, that doesn't hurt your TD interception ratio. So 
very low on turnover worthy plays and some and some big time throws mixed in there. They just call them big time throws. I don't know what exactly that means, but I thought that was noteworthy. I was I was a little shocked. Um, this was also a pro football focus nugget. Both offensive lines protected well on Monday night. And I cited that last night. Yeah, there were three sacks each, but I wasn't real impressed with the pass rush. And neither allowed more than a 19% pressure rate on the evening, which is very low. Uh, Braden Smith, the, the Colts right tackle, who did most of his work against Watt, only one pressure allowed. I mean, he played very well. I mentioned some of my concerns about what we saw from Watt last night. But um, in four games with Watt this season, this defense has allowed 20, 10, 37 against the Bengals, and now 17 points in those four games. I mean, you hold teams at 20 and under, you should win. I mean, it's, it's pretty much that simple. Um, okay, a little more. I'm not explaining away. Hope you guys know this is who I am. Uh, you know, just trying to present facts or theories that the Steelers coverage team was atrocious. And really the biggest negative I took away from the whole thing, kickoff coverage. However, there's three things or two things we need to remember. No Spillane, no Boykin, who's been phenomenal on coverage teams. No Warren, who's also a staple of the kickoff coverage team. So those are three starters. Like no one ever thinks about this from a special teams coach, but we're not going to play Spillane. Well, that you just took a starter away from me in four phases. Oh, Warren's hurt. You just took a starter away from me. Boykin got hurt. Yeah, that's like taking away the starting left guard and starting corner. You know what I mean? Like in all four phases, these guys are starters. Well, they were missing three starters on the kickoff coverage team. Again, it's not okay, but this is what happened. And trust me, I don't sit there with a stopwatch, but I do know for a fact that Wright, his hang time, his distance is okay, but his hang time is noticeably worse than Boswell's. It's a huge deal. I mean, these special teams coaches are such nerds, probably too much of nerds, but like if they're looking at kickers or long snappers, it's down to the hundredth of second on hang time or how fast a snap gets back, those type of things, because it might be one or two more steps you get closer to the ball carrier while the ball's hanging in the air. So we know Wright does not have a booming leg. He doesn't get a lot of height on his kickoffs. So there are some factors at play as opposed to Danny Smith's an idiot, get rid of them because they were bad on kickoff coverages. So there were ex extenuating circumstances. Cornerback usage last night was, I'm recording this on Tuesday, is interesting in that in nickel, and I expect to see this all the time now, or at least while Jackson's out. In nickel, well, in base, we'll start there. Wallace was the left corner. Sutton was the right. But in nickel, Pierre comes in at the right corner. And Sutton goes to the slot, which I think is the best usage right now of the corners you have at hand. Sutton played every snap of this game. Um, Les Millette, as we talked about, is, is a good thing. Uh, he did have a bunch of first half tackles, as we talked about. He still has a role, but Les Millette is better. Um, all three, Pierre, Wallace, Sutton, they all made plays. I thought Pierre had a really good game. And frankly, he's had a really good season. I mean, just a year ago, the opening day, he was the starter. Like there was a lot of hope there for him. So 
let's not brush Pierre off like he's just a a, a nobody a special teamer. There might be more there. Um, we talked a little bit about Highsmith closing out the game, and I, I just think my note here is late clutch defense. That's been a little lacking the last two years or so of the defense putting the clamps on a team when you absolutely have to. Highsmith, I guess, deserves the the most credit. Uh, he now has 10 sacks in 11 games with or without Watt or whatever. That's exceptional. He had a big run stop, too, on Taylor late in that game as well. Big deal. I mean, that's definitely a big deal. Highsmith's a, a legit big-time player now. Um, the Steelers were once again good on third downs on both sides of the ball. I don't think I remember I mentioned this yesterday, but I should have. That's an easy one, just a steal from the box score. But they were seven out of fourteen on conversions. Two notes there. First of all, if you're five hundred on third down conversions, that ends up being like first or second in the league throughout the season. So if you're hitting five hundred on third downs, that's exceptional. But you don't want to get the third downs too often. You know, of your number of snaps, there was sixty nine snaps on offense. Only 14 of those snaps were on third down. means you're getting first downs on first and second. That's the beauty of this thing. You don't want to get the third down. The denominator might be more important than the numerator in that 7 of 14 equation. Something I'll harp on my whole life. And then defensively, the Colts are 3 of 14. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it's really bad, obviously. And... They played 64 snaps on defense, so they made the Colts snap the ball 12 times of those 64. That ratio is okay, whatever. Folks, the Steelers now have a running game, and I don't think their backfield's particularly great, but it's good enough, and it's a pretty good argument that, hey, running backs don't matter. Uh, You're paving the way, and you're getting big people out there, and you're sticking with it and playing good defense, and I've been talking about this for weeks. Voluminous running. How many times have you heard me say that? But over their last four games, 158.8 158.8 rushing yards per game. I mean, just under 160 rushing yards per game over the last month of games. It sure helps to have a quarterback that can pick you up 20 yards a game, too. I mean, for these numbers, it's not an accident that the teams with the most running quarterbacks are averaging the most rushing yards per game, but it still accomplishes the same thing. Um, and as we talked about previewing this game, Colts came into this game only allowing 3.7 yards per carry. That's great. It was near the top of the league. This is not a joke run defense. Steelers averaged 4.8 yards per carry against a defense that was allowing 3.7. So it wasn't like they just ran over a bad defense. They ran over a very good rushing defense. Um, Break time. And then we're going to come back with snap counts and a couple thumbs up, thumbs down that we didn't mention yesterday after second review. So I mentioned Steelers snapped the football 69 times on offense. Um, Again, I mentioned this yesterday, so I'm not cutting on these players, but I'm not talking about Deontay and the the guys that are always out there. I do think more and more an offseason priority, and Austin and Miller are still going to factor in this equation, 
is one more weapon, one more mismatched guy. Probably not a tight end, probably a receiver. But keep that in mind because a lot of these guys that are useful but average football players are playing a lot. And they're trying to figure things out and some of them will merge. But I'm really keeping an eye on this post-Claypool trade of who's getting snaps, why. Certainly, they want to play with bigger people, peripheral blocking. Um, so, we'll just get to it here. The, the tight ends, Fryermuth aside, again, I mean, we know what he is. He's a star. Gentry played 36 of 69. I still don't know why we have to throw a bubble screen to him once a game. Um, <laughs> whatever. Fair enough. I'm not going to pick those nits right now. Hayward played 10 of 69. So this is a, he's been about in that neighborhood post Claypool. I think you guys remember me saying he's an interesting slot option, different type. Him and Gentry couldn't be any different. If they walked in the door, you wouldn't think they're both tight ends. That's for sure. So I like that dynamic, um, searching to see which works better. Gentry's always going to outsnap him, of course, because he's a very good blocker. Um, I wanted to check the running back snap count. They only got 20 out of Harris before he was rolled out. Um, but Snell played 28. McFarland played 21. Obviously, early in the game, McFarland was part of the game plan. Snell was thrust into action, but they both had a role and both stepped up in a big way. Uh, see what that looks like going forward. Might Warren be back? How long is Najee going to be out? Short week. So fresh legs late in the season is a big deal at the running back position. And they have two guys now with fresh legs late in the season. Um, mentioned the wide receiver usage. Pickens and Deontay are out there all the time, as you can imagine, as they should be. This is the part I don't love, and I don't dislike any of these players, but what if this was a second-round pick next year who's as, uh, as good as Pickens? <laughs> I mean, I'm pieing the sky in here, but, you know, next uh, a Juju or, you know, somebody like that on a rookie deal. Sims played 24. Gunner played 21. I think it's a little much for Gunner. I prefer Sims to Gunner, but I don't think Sims is ever going to be a high-volume snap count guy. White played 10. Why do we care about White? I think he's the Boykin, which is big, physical, not super dynamic, really good blocker, and special teamer. So that type of receiver has a role right now. Um, and lastly on offense, snap counts. Watt played five snaps, which is... Starting to be about his norm post-Claypool as well. Again, a lot of big people out there. A lot of these guys are blockers. Gentry, Hayward, Watt, you know, White. You know, all those guys block. Um, on defense, the Steelers played 64 snaps. And I kept thinking, man, I'm really excited to see what the edge, I call them edge, you guys call them outside linebackers, uh, snap counts are going to look like because it sure looked like Jones and Reed were out there a lot or Watt was subbing out a lot. But when it was all said and done, that wasn't all that true. And of those 64 snaps, Watt was out there for 55 without much splash. Again, he's a great player. I'm not worried. Well, I am a little worried about him. Um, something's going on there to me. Highsmith played 51 of 64, which is basically his norm. Neither one of those guys play every snap. It's a high-demand position. Defensive front players don't play every snap. But that was more from Watt than I had thought, and less from Reed um, and Jones. Reed, Reed played 14 snaps. Um, did pretty well, actually. Jones played eight. I'm a fan of Jones as my fourth outside linebacker for eight snaps a game, special teams. He's a little better than what they've had there the last couple of years. Now, here's what's really interesting to me is 
One of my biggest notes pregame was Splain's inactive. What are they going to do? We talked about some big nickel, and we'll talk about the defensive back usage here in a bit. But of 64 defensive snaps, Miles Jack played 44. That's about where he's been all year. He's about a two-thirds snap count guy, which I've always thought's a little low, but there might be whatever for whatever reason, that's the trend that seems like that's not changing. However, you Bush haters are going to be a little knocked back by this one. Bush played 64 of a possible 64 snaps. I think that is a massive ringing endorsement for him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be worth the 10th pick in the draft or he's the next Jack Lambert. But he's getting better, and he's getting, and the, the staff is recognizing it. I've been calling for months to get Spillane off the field. This is a very promising development to me. So then I also did other DBs because we talked about Sutton never left the field. Told you what uh, Wallace's role was. He's never really leaving the field. So how did they mix in their DBs? And, and I I saw Tomlin's press conference. And I think he said something along the lines of. Yeah, we are going to mix and match those guys. Um, we're going to use a lot of defensive backs, a lot of different players out there. So my other DB snap count, KZ played 32 snaps, almost always with Edmonds and Fitzpatrick. So that big nickel stuff I've been preaching about is very real. Uh, Pierre played 30, as mentioned. He comes in when they go three corners, a high percentage of the time, as an outside guy only. And Indy's not exactly a spread the field out, three, four receivers type of type of team. So his snap count seemed to be improving and he's taking advantage of it. Millett was out there for 18 of the 64. Perfect. You know, play him near line scrimmage, mix it up, make some tackles. We don't see too much of you though. Um, in my Colts nugget here, Jonathan Taylor was out there for 59 of 64 snaps. You know, they have some other dudes. They traded for Moss. Um, Jackson has played a lot lately, but... It was all lean on our best dude, and it wasn't enough. Uh, last little thing we're going to do here, some more thumbs up, thumbs down, guys. Um, I'm going to give Mason Cole a thumbs up, as well as interior pass protection overall. Uh, I thought him and Dotson in particular, but overall interior pass protection was quite good against DeForest Buckner and a good interior line, you know, that – they were not pushed into Kenny, you know, pushed the pocket into him very much at all, you know, on second watch. Um, he didn't play a ton, only 14 snaps. But Reed's run defense is getting better. I always think of him as a bendy, lighter, gets pushed around, rush guy. But he's obviously working on his run defense and was really stout in this game. As I mentioned, Massive thumbs up for Bush. Massive thumbs up for Bush. We need to talk about is, is he a re-signed candidate? I'm leaning towards yes. Um, thumbs up for Pierre, as we talked about before. And then a couple of the uh, opponents. Jelani Woods is an interesting guy. Uh, I mean, he was a combine freak tight end for the Colts rookie this year. I think he's a third or fourth round, third round pick. Extreme size, extreme tester. And they've been looking for tight ends. And this, we might look back at his career and be like, that was the breakout game. The Colts really might have a guy there. You know, so interesting. Another rookie third round pick. Raymond is getting better at left tackle. Um, his run blocking in particular stood out in this game. And then Zaire Franklin was a, is a linebacker. He's basically Leonard's fill in. 
He outsnaps Okariki and was making plays all over the place. He had a really good game, never left the field either, so that's important. Um, last things, I really don't have any additional thumbs down that we didn't touch on yesterday, but I was not impressed with the, the other two receivers for the Colts, and part of that's because the Steelers' coverage was good. Um, Campbell and Pierce didn't have very good games. I'm pretty high on both. I think Pierce has a very bright future. Neither was overly impressive in this game. Neither was uh, Nadakwe, who had what, back-to-back sacks. He definitely had a sack and some pressures. He's a pure pass rusher. His run defense was bad. I mean, they were washing him out time and time again. Not that you guys are super concerned with the future of Yannick Nadakwe, but um, he might have to be a third and long player only. You know, he is not a rundown player at all. And the Steelers clearly saw that when game planning for the Colts of – we're going to run at Yannick Ndokwe, and he was pushed around in a big way, often by Dan Moore. Um, okay, that is a wrap. Uh, I am doing a lot of Falcon research as we speak, and before you know it, the game's going to be upon us, so we're going to start previewing the opponent. Over and out.